the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Roots of Reconstruction by Rusas John Rushduni Narrated by Shelby Luke Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Rusus John Rushduni. In lieu of the judgment of God across this nation, I appeal to you to listen, learn, and live as the Holy Spirit guides you in the truth of the Word of God. The words and prompting of fallible men do not hold a candle to the truth of Scripture, and the truth of Scripture will only be words to our ears unless we exhort, establish, and exercise these infallible words in every area of thought and life. Calcedon Report number 48, August 1969. Our subject this month is authority. Let us begin with police authority. In the early 1920s in Detroit, my father went one day to meet a newly arriving immigrant, an elderly priest. The old man's life had been spent in the Near East and Europe. He came directly from the continent. After their greeting, my father asked certain plain questions about conditions in the old world, and the priest hastily shushed him, indicating the presence of a policeman nearby. My father laughed with delight and explained that in America, the police are our friends and protectors. The old man could not have been more emphatic in his disbelief. On their way home, my father stopped at a home near a school for a few minutes. The school was letting out, and children ran happily to the crossing. The patrolman was a favorite of all the children, and the children competed happily to hold his hand. At this, the old priest broke down and wept openly. This, he said, was the difference between America and the old world. Here, the police were loved by the children and regarded by the people as their protectors. There the police were feared as political agents. What has happened since then? If the police have changed, it is generally very much for the better. Better trained, more courteous, more honest, and better informed on the law. The old priest, who died in the 1940s, always spoke of the authority and honor of the policeman's position in America. Things have changed since then. What is the reason? And what has changed? Very clearly, the police have been the target of a subversive attack. There has been a systematic attempt to discredit the police. Granted, but an attack is a failure unless it finds a receptive people. Why have people been so ready to accept anti-police propaganda? Faults are there in the police as in every group in society. But why this demand for perfection? Why the total hostility to law and order? Some insist that anyone who uses the term, quote, law and order, unquote, favorably belongs to the enemy. An example is a part of a hated establishment. Why? Let us examine briefly the mainsprings of the modern or humanistic era in order to know the answer. Education has been the basic faith and hope of modern man. Quote, knowledge is power, unquote, and education is man's salvation. 
Added to this is humanistic man's denial, first, that man is a sinner, and second, that even in his sin, man has an inescapable knowledge of God and of God's law. Romans 1, 18-20 Instead, humanistic man, after John Locke, held to the belief that man's mind is a blank piece of paper awaiting the work of the teacher. The child, therefore, could be, it was held, totally reconditioned by the right kind of education. If only the church and family could be prevented from polluting the child's mind before the school reached it, utopia would speedily arrive. The school and university have, over the generations, worked successfully to undercut the authority of the home and of Christianity. This has meant replacing the authority of God with the authority of man. But if man is his own authority, who can be an authority over man except many men, many gods, outvoting one God? Moreover, then, there can be no overall law abiding either individual man or mass man. Law and authority thus become enemies to humanistic man and his schools. Numerous college and university students have reported to me their experiences all very much alike. Education professors commonly begin a course by saying, quote, How can we educate for the future when we do not know what the future is? There is no truth for today and tomorrow alike. We cannot teach a body of knowledge as valid for tomorrow. The one reality is change and we must educate for change, for continuous revolution." Unquote. A historian began a course by denying that there is such thing as history, a law professor by attacking the idea of law, and so on. Only in the sciences is there much educational discipline left, and only because without it, their field would collapse. Even here, engineers and others report a growing decline. If man is his own authority, then there is no authority over man and God. Parents and police become symbols of tyranny and oppression. Because authority, other than anarchistic man's, is intolerable. The New Left is the logical and inescapable product of modern education because it is anarchistic and statist to the core. Anarchism and statism are different aspects of the same humanistic creed. The anarchist denies the state. Man is his only God, law, and authority. The statist, Marxist, Fabian, fascist, or democratic, says true, but many men have more authority than one man. In either case, there is an erosion of authority, a breakdown of law and order. We are getting today what we have paid for. Our public schools are delivering precisely the product of humanistic education that they have been asked to deliver. To deny Christian faith a place in education, to convert schools into statist agencies, and then to expect anything other than that we have is the mark of a fool. And fools can be more dangerous than knaves because the fool is on every side of the field. Every society, whether a backward tribe or a highly advanced nation, represents a law order. Every law order is an expression of a moral and religious faith. 
change the faith and morality which undergird that law order and its authority and its ability to maintain itself begins to collapse. This is our problem. Our Christian foundations have been destroyed. We now have humanism as the established religion of church, state, school, and society. This new religion is denying and shattering the old authority with only anarchism and statism as its alternatives. The result is growing chaos. This is not all, because humanism makes a man his own authority. It enthrones childishness, self-indulgence, and tantrums over maturity, self-discipline, and reason. Much of the protests have been marked by more emphasis on childishness than on issues. Observers have noted the high glee and immense self-satisfaction many of these demonstrators show on urinating and even defecating in public. The glow of childish delight in these acts was the most startling aspect of the performance. The sheer joy in a baby's act. This impulse is deeply embedded in our humanistic age. Not too long ago, a television interviewer asked a group of guests, kindergarten children all, what they would most like to be. The answers were the same. They all wanted to be babies. Why? Because they answered, babies have nothing to do and they are cared for. There was a time when kindergarten children wanted to be grown-ups. This was the social ideal, maturity. Now it is babyhood. Elderly women dress like little girls and old men like small boys and they try to act as though perpetual youth was their hope. Is it any wonder that high school and college youth act like babies and that kindergarten children want to be babies when the adults of our time are themselves at war with mature responsibility? Is it any wonder that authority is gone? A baby has to be trained into respect for authority, but grown-up babies are at war against authority and therefore at war against life as God ordained it. Authority is an inescapable necessity. It is authority which binds man to man in society. This binding is only secondarily by force. The essential and primary power of authority rests in a common faith and a general assent to certain religious presuppositions. Humanism denies the principle of transcendental authority. It affirms the satanic principle that every man is his own God knowing or deciding for himself what constitutes good and evil. Genesis 3.5 The world of autonomous, humanistic man is a world of lawlessness in which every man asserts his independence of all laws, not of his own making or choosing. Humanism leads to self-righteousness, since every man is right in his own eyes and there is no other law. The war of the humanist against law and order is an immoral, self-righteous protest in that he begins by assuming religiously that righteousness was born with him and that all law and order is by definition evil. The total humanist will, if logical, become the total criminal, totally at war against all law and order. And this is precisely the goal of the, quote, new intellectuals, unquote. The police have been able in the past to cope with ordinary criminals, but the total criminal works to subvert every basis of authority and law, 
in church, state, and school, in the courts, and in the legislative chambers. His warfare is more nearly total war than anything else we have yet seen, but it is also destructive of himself. Man needs air for his physical life, and law is the air of his social life. Unless that law is true law, God's law, society dies of strangulation. We are thus in the last days of a humanistic era. Man's attempt to return to the womb is a fast trip to the tomb. The world of humanism is sick. Let it die. Its spoiled brats are bent on suicidal destruction. Mature man will work for Christian reconstruction. Calcine Report number 49, September 1969. On July 26, 1969, it was my privilege to attend Dr. Hans Senholt's seminar on, quote, the dollar crisis, unquote. As Dr. Senholtz concluded his very able and intensely interesting account of our monetary problem, he analyzed the decline of the paper dollar in the grim future and then concluded thus to cite my summary notes. The people are to blame. The government is their tool. People make demands on the government for a growing list of services, demanding aids, services, grants, which create an inflationary economy. Peter has been taxed to pay Paul. The end of the road is in sight, but the pressures on the government by the people continue. Price controls and a dictator loom ahead on this road and economic destruction. The people must change before the trend can change. These admirable words reflect a Christian perspective. They echo the faith and personal responsibility which is basic to Christian Western civilization. Yet within a week, as I reported these words to a number of Christian and conservative ministers and laymen, I received large number of objections. I was told, Not true. The people have been misled. Not true. That has been a conspiracy against the innocent public. Wrong. Let me give you a book proving who has fooled the public, and so on. During the same time, I also saw a leftist analysis of the tight money situation. It was described as a capitalistic conspiracy against the people. The leftist analysis alone was logical, although wrong. The Marxist perspective is that not individual responsibility but environment is the source of sin, wrong, and evil. Men are victims, not sinners. Change the environment, and you change man. Dr. Sinholtz had echoed the Christian presupposition, change the man, and you change the environment. These, quote, Christians, unquote, and, quote, conservatives, unquote, who criticized Dr. Sinholtz, were revealing the extent to which they had absorbed Marxist premises. They were carrying the old banners, but marching in an alien army. Let us analyze the matter more carefully. First, the matter of conspiracy. Most simply defined by the dictionary, a conspiracy is a, quote, combination of men for a single end, unquote. In law, it is a combination for either unlawful ends or to use unlawful means towards an end in view. The Christian must take the conspiracy view of history seriously. 
because scripture teaches throughout that history is a struggle with the forces of evil conspiring against God and his anointed, Psalms 2. History is not a blind, impersonal force, as for the Marxists, but a very personal work of God, primarily and secondarily of men. Thus, conspiracies are real because men are very real forces in history. But second, because the Bible denies that history is the product of unconscious, impersonal forces and drives, it asserts individual responsibility. In Genesis 3, it made clear that the essence of sin is to blame other persons or the environment for one's own guilt. Adam, by blaming his environment, God, and his wife, Eve, for his sin only aggravated his guilt. It follows, therefore, that we can alert people to what various conspiracies are doing to undermine or subvert a nation, but we cannot as Christians blame any conspiracy for our weakness or fall. Men stand or fall in terms of their faith and character. True, man's faith and character is subjected to attack, but so was Adam's. In this world, there is always testing, temptation, and trial. The question is, do we submit to it or overcome it? Dr. Sinholtz was right. The people must change before the trend can change. Any conclusion other than individual responsibility is a denial of Christianity and is an implicit Marxism. Because so many ostensible Christians and conservatives lack a biblically grounded faith, their actions and statements often end up in an unconscious anti-Christianity. As a result, some so-called conservative movements are moving into strange waters and revealing anti-Christian and anti-conservative tendencies. Take, for example, an article in the summer 1969 issue of American Mercury by Revelo P. Oliver, Ph.D., quote, Christianity, Religion of the West, unquote. The editorial heading indicates that the editors regard the article to be very good and of, quote, major importance, unquote. The thesis of the article is that only Western or European man is congenial to Christianity. The Bible says no man naturally is congenial to it, whatever his race, only God's supernatural grace conforms him to it. But for Oliver, the natural Christian and only real one, is the Western racial man. According to Oliver, missionaries only succeeded where imperialistic guns backed them and failed where there was no backing. This is, of course, the Marxist line on the relationship of imperialism and missions. This does not mean that Oliver is a Marxist, but his non-biblical thought places him in a common camp at this point. Oliver chooses to ignore the vast evidences of native faith in Asia and Africa in the face of persecutions, nor does he acknowledge the frequent opposition of imperial agents to missionaries as, quote, meddlers, unquote. His evidence is negligible and his total picture anti-Christian. True, in recent years, Christianity has had serious setbacks in many parts of Asia and Africa, but not because imperialism has waned, the decline has been due to the same reasons for the decline of Christianity in Europe and America. Men have turned to alien and humanistic faiths. Oliver, 
the American Mercury, W.A. Carto, and others who are regarded as strong conservatives are also great admirers of the late Francis Parker Yockey and his work, Imperium, The Philosophy of History and Politics, 1948. Yockey's position is atheistic and anti-Christian. Yockey was also a strong champion of race and especially of what he called, quote, ethical socialism, unquote, page 617. Ethical socialism is the socialism you operate. The other man's socialism is always unethical. Yockey's work has overturns of Nietzsche and inferior echo of Spengler. Incidentally, his complaint against Marxism is not that it is socialistic, but that, quote, the ethical and social foundations of Marxism are capitalistic, unquote, page 80. Yockey's book is a pompous, turgid restatement of every kind of immoralistic philosophy of the last century, which said, quote, somebody did this to us, not we ourselves, unquote. Like Adam, who said, quote, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat, unquote. Genesis 3.12. So Yaki worked to absolve Western man of guilt, even as he compounded it with unbelief and moral irresponsibility. The people must change before the trend can change. This is not a popular program. People want an enemy to blame, not themselves. How much easier to expose and blame than to reconstruct? Marxism has a simple, sure appeal. Quote, the bad guys did it to us. Unquote. People, as sinners, love this. Biblical faith has an unpopular message. Whatever anyone else has done, and as sinners, they will sin. What about your responsibility and your guilt? The greatness of David was that he did not blame Bathsheba or anyone else. He acknowledged that it was his guilt, his act, his sin. But most people today will not acknowledge their guilt. They attend churches which preach another gospel and they will not break with them. They claim that they are trying to reform the church from within. But each year these churches become more openly anti-Christian and they still remain. These people profess loyalty to Christ, but the only loyalty they manifest is to an anti-Christian church. Are they not guilty? We can go on indefinitely. Suffice it to say that most people find it convenient to turn to the Marxist environmentalist answer and say, quote, the bad guys are responsible for all our problems, unquote. And they continue to believe that they can redeem the public schools, a socialistic agency. They turn their children over to a non-Christian, socialistic school and then ask God to bless them, and they wonder why their children turn into rebels. Appended to this report is a graduation address by Gay Patapoff, valedictorian, San Jose Christian School, 8th grade, June 13, 1969. Gay reflects her Christian home and school in her address and she has a maturity lacking in the 8th graders of our socialistic schools. But to return to our point, the trend will not change until the people change. We have too many people who want to change the world, too few who admit that man needs changing, and that only the grace of God can accomplish this. God's appointed means are Christian institutions. 
We must therefore begin reconstruction now, prayerfully and hopefully. We must stand on individual responsibility as against environmentalism. We cannot excuse ourselves by saying, quote, The woman gave me, and I did eat, unquote. Or by saying, The communists are to blame, or the Democrats, or the capitalistic warmongers. That excuse did not work when it was first tried by Adam. What makes us think it will work with God now? Adam to Marx to men today, it has been a ticket to judgment. Dr. Sinholtz is right. The people must change before the trend can change. Do you agree? Or do you prefer to line up with Marx and blame the system? In case you missed it in your newspaper, a major university last June granted a master's degree to a student whose thesis was simply eight pages of lines of typed periods. The university accepted the thesis, and the vice president defended the action, although the library decided against filing it, National Observer, June 30, 1969. Now read the address of an eighth-grade student in a Christian school by way of contrast. Valedictory Address by Gabe Patapoff, 8th grade. Distinguished members of the board, our devoted principal, dedicated teachers, loving parents, most welcome guests, and fellow students. It is with great joy that I am able to speak to you tonight in an effort to express the gratitude and thankfulness of my classmates and myself for being able to attend and graduate from the San Jose Christian School. As we all know, there are many philosophies and ideologies striving to win the minds and hearts of the youth today. Christianity in our Reformed churches is being challenged by the theory that a sovereign God is no longer necessary when we have a, quote, sovereign, unquote, federal government that will provide everything God can from the cradle to the grave. Communism is winning the minds of the youth in our country and throughout the world on the theory that when the youth become adults, the world will be theirs. This godless form of government denies the very existence of God. It bases its hopes for success on man being perfect and sinless, which we know is impossible since man is totally depraved, sinful, and selfish. Our world is in a state of turmoil and confusion. Wars, which were once considered infrequent catastrophes, are now everyday current events. Students in high schools in large numbers are taking drugs as a rebellion against authority. Students in colleges and universities almost daily practice violence and defiance of authority as an expression of independence. We, who are graduating, are thankful that we have learned not only English, history, mathematics, and science, but that God is the source of all truth, the creator of order in the world, and the author of all history, past and future. Our devoted teachers have taught us God's part and place in every subject. We have daily studied the written word and learned his instructions on how we must live to please our great creator, thus ensuring true happiness as we grow into adulthood. Our greatest wish is that all the children in the world could attend such schools such as this, with devoted teachers by whom we learn about God, his word, and the peace that comes only through Jesus Christ, our Savior. I thank you again on behalf of the 8th grade graduating class 
for building a firm foundation on solid rock rather than sinking sand. I would like to close with our class theme, Romans 8, 38, and 39. Quote, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Unquote. Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Bruce's John Rushman. Lord willing, we will be reading again next week. Until then, may God bless your endeavors as you serve the one and only King Jesus. It was the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the love he assures by his paying the very price. It was there at Calvary's tree, where he died for you and me.
the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.